Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. Welcome, everyone. We are the Geek Patrol, and our microphones don't have a stun setting. Today, we're joining you from Brandon Olmsted's pre-Halloween yard sale. I guess the spirit shop opened right, and he's got to make room for the, uh, the new inventory. the spirit shop. What are you talking about? Okay. He's got better stuff. Of no, all the times a shop no, no. at the Olmstead home, this is where all the deals happen, right, Brandon? So absolutely, you got you got to get rid of the stock that doesn't match the season's decor because you got to change it up every year. Absolutely. So, uh, so anyway, welcome to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And if uh, Brandon sounds a little echoey or what, I don't know if he sounds out of place. Brandon, there's a reason because you're on a you're on uh, an a field assignment today right so absolutely uh last weekend we had josh josh mason come in talk about covenant comic-con i had to go had to find out if it was good enough for the rest of you geeks okay and so far it's awesome all right why don't we do our field report because we have a strategy brandon we're going to talk to you maybe you're not going to stick around the whole show and then after you're done we might do a little we might go a little heavier on science and some other stuff that you never like to talk about and uh you know, I mean, while you're not like, around, don't, don't get me wrong, guys. I love science, but 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you're going to put me to sleep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Brandon, uh, talk to us. What's going on at the uh, third annual Covington Comic Con? Okay. Well, they have tremendously expanded this year. And I know Josh hit on it a little bit last week, but I didn't realize it's like they have taken over the second floor for gaming and panels. Okay. Uh, there's a ton of uh, really cool vendors in here. Uh, we're seeing some great cosplays. Um, Tanya Vandestig and uh, is here from Historical Haunts, and she is not being quiet at all. That's not <laughs> one of her Tanya. shortcomings. Yeah, <laughs> Tanya knows how to project. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, uh, I'm I'm here with Alyssa and Savannah from MCSD doing our promotions for our con in November. Um, but uh, Santiago Cirillo's here. Uh, we got our buddies from the DeSoto County Ghostbusters. It's just there's a ton of stuff going on, and you wouldn't expect it in in the little town of Covington, but they they do it big. That's you got to give them props. Uh, in fact, we just had the Jurassic Park uh, van show up. Uh, the Jeep is out front. I don't know what kind of samples they've got as far as their specimens, and I <laughs> kind of don't want to go find out. You know, we've t- we've talked about that in the past. It makes a lot of sense from a business standpoint. Okay, Covington, folks, if you're listening from outside of the Memphis area, it's a little what about 45 minutes north of us. You go down Highway 51 and you hit the little the quaint little town of Covington. Well, yeah. let's just be honest. There's not a whole lot going on out there. But so if there's a if there's a convention, this is what the whole town is coming to. So oh, yeah. I mean, it, it makes a lot of true. sense. So I mean. I, it is true. I will see pretty much everybody from Covington come through these doors today, unless they've got you know uh, you know something else going on, and they were here yesterday. But of course, it's being put on by uh, kicking lawyer Jerry Mason, and of course our buddy from Mason Studios, Josh Mason. Uh, the Mason Mafia is what I've heard bandied around here lately. It's kind of weird, but they basically run this town at this point. It seems. But it is. It's like you get the quaintness of, like, small hometown with all the geeky goodness of the Covington Comic-Con. Right. It's funny because we followed the evolution. We have we've seen, we met mm-hmm. Josh back. Alan, did you know Josh before 2012? Because that's the first time he came to the to the Memphis no, Comic-Con. No, I met him then. 
Okay, so we we, well, we no. saw him from being a newbie to being a regular yeah. contributor and now starting his own convention. So he's yeah. he's at and, a full and, evolution. And they've they've grown exponentially every year. Uh, I, it's it's really awesome to see them taking the initiative and bringing more fandom events to the mid south area. And I just I love being here. It's uh, it's probably my third favorite convention out of all the conventions that I go to. And that's only because I have to drive too far for it to be my second favorite convention. <laughs> how far? Or how's the swag this year? One thing that I feel like they they kind of do it big is t-shirts, everything else. So I mean, did they oh, do yeah. it again this year? Well, yeah, they um, they, they sold their t-shirts online this year, so that you know you just kind of come to registration, you pick them up. They brought back the yellow and the purple that have sold out really well the first two years, but they also have kind of a tie-dyed version now. Um, which I think it's already sold out, but yeah, they, you know, they've got their shirts out front. Uh, it's, you know, you know, $10 to get in today. Um, and just come on out and enjoy everything. It's just, it's so much fun and it's really just kicking off this morning. There is one thing though. They have their reg. Do they have their registration booth outside? And whose bright idea was that? That's <laughs> well. I don't know whose idea it was, but I'm going to blame Josh just because he's the one I'll see more often than not. But yeah, they're outside. Uh, it's a little windy this morning. It's not nearly as hot as I was expecting it. Oh, good. But uh, everything's going well. And again, just you know, the fact that they've expanded this year, they've got uh, a game- gaming area and panel rooms upstairs. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's really, it's good to see them growing. Yeah. I mean, we are, we, we, we love Josh Mason and the whole gang over there. So it is, it is, kind of, we, we, at the, at the moment we're referring to this as our sister convention, right? I mean, right. They right. haven't done anything to ever, embarrass us yet. Right. With the, yeah. If it ever comes down to it <laughs> and, and, and we, we fight, then it will be our rival sister. Right. Well, sibling rivalries are always good. Um, Hey, do you remember uh, the name of the venue? Because, uh, Brandon, there's still time for people to show up today. So what's oh, the... Uh, you've, what, got all, yeah. you've got all day today. Uh, it's the Covington Civic Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, it, you know, it's well enough known that if you just put it into your Google Maps, it, you know, it'll pop up, tell you exactly how to get here. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a pretty straightforward uh, shot. And uh, if, yeah, if you're coming I would from love Memphis, to see you guys out there, come on yeah. and, you know, give me grief for not being at the show this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, you know, hey, you're doing your duty, Brandon. So but yeah. uh, and um, so yeah, I go above and beyond for our listeners. Joe. There you go. Just go to Covington. Uh, the, my only the only beef I have is that uh, uh, what's her name? Tara from the uh, the they have a great ice cream shop there. But because. She's running, helping run the convention. The shop is closed today, so that's the only that's downside of this whole, you know, this whole that's operation. True. That, so. Her her ice cream is amazing. The first year they actually had some here, yeah, and it was mm-hmm. just, you know, it got me addicted. And now, of course, you know, they don't bring it to the Civic Center, so I'm I'm kind of out. All right. Well, uh, Brandon, uh, you're doing your duty. We'll be there in a bit when we're when we're done with this. And um, sounds good. All right, man. Later. All right. Good luck. See you guys later. All right. Bye. See ya. Uh, This is Geek Tank Radio. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. It's like listening to Wizards Yodel in Parcel Tongue. The Geek Patrol is back. What's the Parcel Tongue term for, um, uh, these guys are idiots? (laughs) Fuck Jack. (laughs) Only... Yeah, cobras have uh, a separate dialect on that one, but all snakes agree on that. Uh, That's true. 
Uh, and welcome, weird. And welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And uh, Brandon went back to work. He's on assignment. He's over at the uh, third annual Covington Comic Con. No, he's at a food truck. Is this weekend, this weekend isn't not Brandon. It's was Brandon. It was Brandon. Yeah, but he was in. He was on earlier reporting in, and it, it is a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. we'll be scooting on over there uh, after the show. But. Uh, now when Brandon is not here, we get to lean heavy air. I could talk science. I could do a whole show with you, Alan, talking about science. Brandon, you know, let's be honest. he It's not his most, uh, fa- his favorite topics, but uh, let's talk a little science while Brandon's Hail science! I feel like this could stray into other themes, too. You were telling me about this before the break, Alan, yeah, but yeah, what do you well, got for us today? Well, all right, let me just ask the question, have you ever had a pet? Of course, yeah. What'd you sure. have? Uh, you know, dog, cat. I have dog, a cat now. Cat? Okay. Yep, so. What was uh, what was the upside of having a dog or cat? <laughs> well, you know, you what is it? Companionship. Yeah, okay. I guess, What's or, the downside? Uh, the cleanup. Yeah. I mean, let's what face it. What if you it. could have all the upside with none of the downside? Right. Okay. I think right. I see where you're going. With well, this, so. all right. Congratulations. Uh, you remember Teddy Ruxpin? Furbies. Right. Little gremlins. Little baby dolls that act like babies and that kind of stuff. We'll get ready for the new generation of AI pets. Oh, boy. Well, new, I mean, we're, we're kind of in the waters with this now, aren't we, Al? I mean, we, we're seeing some of this already. Yeah, yeah. but it's about to get it's about even. about to blow up. Yeah, it's about to get wild. Okay, so we talked about robotic servers. Yeah. We've talked about that on the show before. Little waiters that come around and little robots and serve food. All right, well, are you ready to walk home and say, Hello, Fido, and have your AI electronic dog come out and greet you. Okay, because, Alan, we saw this with uh, children. Uh, well, we saw it with all all beings in that movie AI from, what, like 20-something years mm-hmm. ago, and we saw how that played out, which didn't play out very well. <laughs> but, um, okay, I don't know. So robot dogs, robot cats, robot whatever. Uh, little, just cute little robots that come to get you know you. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the next generation of the AI pet. Uh, they're going to have a small AI uh, engine basically built into them uh, their, for their programming structure. So they're going to be able to learn. They're going to know their name. They're going to recognize you. Uh, they're going to have their own presets of behaviors. Uh, they could be familiar like a fake dog or a fake cat. Or you could have a something different. There, there's no limitation here. So some of the biggies coming out, of course, are uh, quadrupeds, things that move on four legs. Right. Uh, the other big thing coming out are just kind of like, they look like escapees from Doctor Who shows. If you just <laughs> really want to know the honest. Of, Do you remember of uh, Bloom County? The cartoon Bloom County from oh, a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. You remember the little computer that walked around and talked to people? I was never basically read that one. a monitor on yeah. feet. Okay. That's a very popular AI toy now. Oh, yeah. It's just a little monitor. It's got a little face screen. So, just like a Doctor Who thing, it's got little eyes and a little smiley face, and it will walk around on your desk and say hello to you and all kinds of stuff. So, it's, it's, become it's it's begun okay 
Well, Alan, you've uh, I, I'm making a list of questions here that I've got, which I, I we'll never like, get to them all. I'm going to Go pause. Ahead, now. How are we going to weaponize this? Yeah, First well, of all, how do you weaponize it? Okay, here's here. There's many many questions emerge here. Let, let's just start with a, a, a basic question that I don't hear being asked. Okay, we know cats and dogs communicate with each other. You, you have right. a dog in the backyard, and he's going, root, root, and then the neighborhood dog two blocks away is responding right. with their bark. And okay. Are these going to be programmed with meows and barks and everything where they could communicate with other other animals? Uh, have they thought that? Do they? Do we understand Why animal we language well bark? enough? I don't know. I'm asking you. I'm saying, is this part of the thought, or are they just going to exclude all other animals? Or well, you, I guess that's what I'm wondering. How how far are we taking this? With well, uh, you could have it bark or meow if you wanted. Or you can just have it talk your language to you. Because I'm seeing the the makings of some great sci-fi movies here. I'm also seeing, like, what if they made them, like, baby alive? So it's like you wanted to have the, quote-unquote, fun of having the real thing. So let's make them <laughs> I'm gonna produce fake uh-ohs. Oh, gosh. So they even make, yeah. So if you want the full experience, they can. Well, you, you could know. have, you could buy that particular version. Or you could buy the abridged edition. That didn't leave you little electronic piles on your desk. Okay, Max, because you told me your dog, you had a dog, and and, and uh, would sleep at the foot of your bed. Well, if it's the winter time, they they they're kind of warm. They warm your your the feet up and everything. Well, are these new animal? Are these new uh, AI pets going to have that feature? Do they, they radiate heat? Are they soft they could. and cuddly? Well, uh, that's the great thing. They could. You could get a big fuzzy AI pet that could get on the end of your bed and keep your feet warm, or you could have a metallic spider that hangs in the corner. I don't know. Okay, how <laughs> smart are these creatures? Are they? It's AI. You could have a you could have a genius level uh, cat at your house. So. I'm starting to think of the book. I'm a Alan. Correct me if I'm wrong. By I'm a Philip K. Dick called "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" Or it's like. Okay, this is the way we tell the wealthy people from the not. They have non-wealthy people get to have robo-pets, and the wealthy people get to actually have the genuine article. And so you're wondering if robo-pets are going to become more common not in biological pets, not so much that we're going to actually like start to value biological pets again. Well, there you go. And that is actually part of the question about these, because one of the big things that they put out there was... AI pets could begin replacing dogs and cats, but we don't know what long-term exposure to an AI pet is going to be. That's because the thing. I mean, the cat eventually dies. An well, AI oh, pet. Now I didn't think well, of that. Well, the cats are a age and change. An AI pet will grow and learn, but so long as you keep him powered up. Jeez. Oh, okay. I'm just, hang around with you. I'm just reminded also of that quote by Vision. Something isn't beautiful because it lasts. It's like maybe we need pets that don't ha that have an expiration date. Just like you, you know, we need that we need that quality time as opposed to quantity. Yeah, we're 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 launching a horror movie here, Alan. So <laughs> all right, and we're gonna continue the horror when we come back here on Geek Tank Radio. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. You can't swing a porg without hitting a Jar Jar Binks action figure in this place. 
The Geek Patrol is back. It's not a Jar Jar action figure in the studio. It's a target practice. Hey, <laughs> these things are going to be worth some money, Max. That's uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody collected them, so it's mm. like now they're a valuable commodity. And welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And uh, Brandon's not shirking his duties. He's out on assignment right now. He reported in earlier because he's at the... Uh, third annual Covington Comic Con. So if you live here in the Mid-South, when you get done, head to, uh, uh, when you get done listening to the show, no, actually you can drive there while you're listening and head on over to Covington. It's only 10 bucks to get in. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Good shopping experience too. So um, what is not fun and what is not a good experience, in my opinion, is this bleak future that uh, Alan is bringing us of AI <laughs> pets. We've already got every other facet of life, you know, being uh, AI inspired now alan wants you to get rid of fido and uh you know fee mm. the cat and get yourself a robotic version of those i see i mean alan it doesn't even take a i mean this it, you don't even have to be a science fiction writer to figure this one out where this is going so but uh, well you know i go there's back, a lot of things here you know i go back to the days when furby got banned by most intelligence agencies because Wait, furby is because i think that re requires explanation furby was that was around when you were a kid, right, Max? So uh, maybe yeah, I can't Furby remember. Furby was the nineties. Furby was a Furby yeah. was a technological pet. I just remember and, this thing called Fwady, not Furby. Oh yeah, Fwady, Fwady was afraid of everything and wanted yeah, you well, to know. Well, Furby it, but, wasn't. Okay. Furby was the one that spoke Furby language, but the more it was around you, the more it learned your language. Oh, and it was kind of like a little gremlin in the fact that it would actually eventually begin to speak English which meant that it was being run by a randomizer of uh, algorithm plus the ability to record its environment. I just see a yeah. lot of immature kids like saying bad things in front of <laughs> Furby. Yeah, because think of how corrupted you could make Furby depending oh, on what yeah. you were teaching it. So. The worst thing I ever saw was a Teddy Ruxman telling a story to a talk to a repeat bear. Oh, man. Somebody at a, pet, uh, at a, at a toy store had the bear that repeats everything you say <laughs> sitting there with a Teddy Ruxman. <clears throat> and it was just the most bizarre thing you've ever saw in your Person life. Person like a sailor? Or, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, they were, you know, the old Teddy was telling the story, and the other one was mocking him. <laughs> can, I, can, can that one keep a beat as well? Oh, uh, actually, uh, Smart Toys nearly uh, divorced a pair of friends of mine because they had one of those repeat bears, yeah. and they had played with it and accidentally left it on oh, and gift-wrapped it <laughs> and put it under the tree. And what would happen is, like, as every married couple does, you would holler something across the room to right. some, you know, you're in the living room, they're in the kitchen, and you're like, hey, did you pick up the newspaper? And <laughs> then you would hear right after that, you'd hear, right. And the, you, it sounded like somebody was mumbling under their breath. So it was kind of like, well, I just asked you about the newspaper. Well, I hadn't answered yet. What you were getting was the echo from the bear. That's trapped in a box. And, and, the, and, the, and oh the my tree. gosh, you know, they, they each thought the other was mocking them every time they asked a question for like two weeks until they figured out that, that, Toy still was turned on. Okay, Alan, here's another thing. You remember that episode of the Orville where they uh, we were talking about <laughs> Isaac's... Um, it, that was a great one in season three where they... Spoiler, folks, where they basically explored mm. what... what the, the It's a moral question of if you give artificial intelligence the ability to feel pain and suffering, 
Are you actually inflicting pain and suffering on a living being, even though it's an artificial intelligence? And so with that logic in mind, how much feelings, how many, you know, what sort of feelings are we giving these pets? Because if they're not empathetic or if they don't want to, you know, whatever, uh, you know, cuddle up to you or whatever, that's not how a normal pet acts. So, uh, and then, I don't know, there's all sorts of ethics involved. I was, I kind of explored this question back when I was in college and took philosophy. I was wondering whether or not artificial intelligence actually experiences pain or mimics the experience of pain. Like we, with the way we flinch when we say ow and everything, it's because we're feeling pain, but you wonder if artificial intelligence actually feels pain or if just, or is just mimicking the gestures. And then is that real? It just, it, it, it's, I mean, like I said, the science fiction movie writes and, and itself out. And how many people let their Takamuchi die? Right. And, and what happens when they decide to rebel because they've had enough of us? So, I mean, that's the question here. I mean, let's cut to the chase, Alan. What happens when they're weaponized? What happens when they mobilize? What if they, what if they organize all the animals of the world against us? I mean... I knew this was the perfect this topic a, for you. It's a bad idea. Um, I mean, you know, I'm probably going to have one or two. So big know, surprise. Be, I know you're shocked. Okay. Of, I I just find it amusing that well, you want to go walk the dog, you won't need a leash, and it's not going to chase squirrels. It'll walk along with you. You know what? And and as I, as you're saying this, Alan, <laughs> I realize what a hypocrite I am because when I watch Star Trek, one of my favorite guys is Data. Yes. Because he looks human and he acts, he's very, he, you know, right. he's very compassionate, he's real tough, he's cool. But, so maybe it's a, it's a weird bias, you know. But now if Data decided to go bad, we'd, we'd all be in trouble. He could that take was, over Starfleet. That was lore. Right, so, yeah. I don't know, what a mess. Why can't we just have real animals? I mean, well, you know. <laughs> because why do you do this to us? Part now? of my question is, is the idea of, isn't part of the fun of having a pet kind of like having the fun of having a kid? Because the imperf there's imperfections in a kid. They're messy. Dogs are messy. Pets are messy. When you take out the quote-unquote fun of having a pet, do you kind of lose out on the experience of it by it being too sterile? Right, right. Well, I mean, this gets into theological question of free will and all sorts of things. And it's just, I don't know. I don't think we're qualified. It, it, I'm looking at our culture, Alan. We're not ready for this. We don't need the. Can we, you know... Well, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't I don't like it. I, I'm, I'm going to read this little thing here. It says, similar to a real pet, Emo, which is the little walking around computer, evolves <laughs> over time. In this case, through advanced internal sensors and AI processing models to give the little robot the ability to learn, communicate, and bond. Is Emo an acronym? It's got to be. Electronic. What is it? I'm just reminded well, of that's like that's an emo. Yeah, but what is it? What is the, the acronym? That's just what they name. Oh, okay. It looks like something out of Futurama. It looks like an electronic uh, mechanical organism. Okay. All right. Well, whatever it is, it's it's I I don't approve. But get ready, it. they're going to be on the shelf this Christmas. This yeah. is not a coming thing. This is a now thing. Okay. Whatever it is, it's going to be horrifying. Speaking of horrifying, uh, when we come back, this is a great anniversary. Well, it's not a great anniversary. It's a noteworthy anniversary uh, involving Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio on ninety-eight one The Max. Freddy Krueger has nightmares about them. The Geek Patrol is back. You know, if I'm proud of one achievement, Alan, I think it might be that. So we've done our duty. Uh, you know, I told him to leave the melatonin alone. Absolutely. 
And welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And uh, Brandon is out on assignment. He's not shirking his duty. He is Mm-mm. at the thir- he was Brandon, not not Brandon. Right. He was on. He was on the first segment of the show. Uh, he's at the Covington Comic Con, uh, reporting in and uh, promoting the Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention, which is uh, coming up November 10th through 12th. I just want to make a quick announcement. We're very pleased to announce that uh, we have a new celebrity guest, uh, Jonah Ray, who is the host of Mystery Science Theater 3000, the newer iteration. You know, Joel, of course, was the original, and uh, he's a lot of fun. And when he gets here, I want to ask him all about that uh, that um, famous uh, monster song that he sang. It was like a monster <laughs> rap song, and he did it with Tom Servo and Crow, and it's really epic. If you uh, if you want to check it out, go to YouTube, and it's, what is it called, Matt? Monsters of Every the, monster has a country. Every, every country has a monster. Every country has a monster. So Jonah Ray's going to be here November 10th and 12th. If you want to learn more about the Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention, go to memphiscfc.com. Like I said, November 10th through 12th at the University of Memphis Holiday Inn. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, all right, out up. Uh, wait, Max, is this your? Are you spearheading this story? This Both is of a, us. An the truth is out there. Okay. Fluoride is used by the communists to control our minds. No, it's not. Fact: Space does not exist. Fact: Bears eat beets. Oh, bears beets. Battlestar Galactica. Bears do not. What is going on? What are you doing? Well, let's go to the streets of Whitechapel in London, in the East End. Around 1888 and the 7th of August, it's not confirmed. There's only five. There's the canonical five of the murders of Jack the Ripper. But there are some say that his killing spree began on the wee hours of August 7th. Oh, wait a minute. So there was only, okay. I mean, it's horrible what he did, but he or she, we really don't know who Jack the Ripper, but I don't know why I thought it was dozens. So it was five. Well, I mean, that was a lot. That's terrible. Confirmed five. Yeah. There are, that is the conical five. That is, we're going to use the word canon for an unusual challenge. Oh, they're going to say, we, we, these are definite. There could be more. We know okay. that these are the basis of okay. the Jack the Ripper legacy. Right. So you have five truly terrible murders in the Whitechapel district in the Victorian era. And a, we really haven't hit modern police tactics yet. We really haven't hit modern forensics. Mm-hmm. So we're still kind of going on old school gumshoe kind of. You come around the corner. I see you holding a baseball bat, Joe. So right. I caught you gotcha. kind of things. You know, the, the Bobby's walking the beat type thing. <laughs> and this became a political hot button. Because, well, it was Whitechapel, it was, you know, all women being murdered. And And prostitutes. Right. Well, which was Whitechapel. You know, it it was a big part of this. And the net of people loosely associated to this went from the lowest of the low all the way to royalty. See, I had my theories about Jack the Ripper. I felt like somehow this person had access to ether because... These these alleyways and everything. I mean, people were living like on top of each other. These so how do you do something and not be detected among this big population? So I'm thinking, what if you had a cloth and you you know you were able to? So I thought maybe a doctor. I, I think know. it had to do with the let's just call it the initial strike of the victims because a lot of them had their throats slashed, which is pretty easy 
which is a pretty easy thing. So you come behind somebody like that. So the initial attack was probably before he, let's just say, had his fun. All right, not to get too graphic here, but then, Alan, okay, well, then you got to walk out of the alleyway covered in blood and everything. I still think you had to incapacitate him in some way, you know, before. Well, congratulations, Joe. You are just like every other investigator for the last hundred years that has been puzzling how would these things happen. Right. How could you get away with this? Um, The most devastating Jap the Ripper uh, slaying took place very private. Okay. It wasn't in an alleyway. It was actually in the person's bedroom, and that was the person most... You know, okay. Uh, most uh, we will say destroyed by Jack the Ripper. Okay. So it was a matter of uh, time, opportunity, and Jack the Ripper has turned into one of the most investigated crimes in history. That's what I'm wondering. I mean, they, they don't they have suspects though. Like, I mean, obviously they're all dead, but don't they have some that they? Uh, well, they they have about the uh, between five and ten, depending upon the investigator you go with. Even down to Lewis Carroll. Oh, come on. Really? No, 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 seriously. Lewis Uh, Carroll. mm -hmm. Um, Well, I would like to think he didn't do it. Well, (laughs) according to the last last investigator in on this was a former police volunteer by the name of Sarah Bax Horton, who has a great lineage with this. She is the great-great-granddaughter of a policeman who was on the original Jack the Ripper investigation case. Now, that's interesting. Yeah. So, doing reverse forensics, she has matched all of the witness descriptions. She's totally started from the back end. Right. Instead of starting at the, well, let's analyze the crime and the victims and this, she started at the backside of it and worked her way backwards and she has come up with a man named Hyam Hyams hmm. that was Hyam yeah. that was supposed to be the Whitechapel murderer. Of uh, he was a cigar worker, so he had access to all of the cutlery that he would have needed to have been mm. Jack the Ripper. Okay. Of uh, he was also known to be an epileptic and an alcoholic, so he is the current front runner uh, for being Jack the Ripper. But as the, you know, the, the same thing can be said about all of the investigations. There's really about five primaries, and they all basically wound up out of the country, dead, or in an asylum all around the same time period. So mm. that's why the murders stopped. Yeah, it's, it's I mean... It's a it's a horrible thing. I don't know why we're all fascinated with it, but you kind of can't help it. Well, true crime is sort of interesting. I hate to say it, but uh, you know, whatever. So I don't want to say happy anniversary. Or any, I mean, I don't know what to say. Max, thanks for bringing us this. We're signing off on a great note. But anyway, happy breakfast. It's time to get out of here. So until next week, we are the Geek Patrol, and I am Joe Thorderson. I'm Maximilian, and I'm Alan Gilbert, reminding you to pet your little electronic dog, and for heaven's sake, remember to change those batteries.